Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I am Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today we've got an extra special returning guest. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's about time, too. I feel like it's been a while. It's been too long, but also I see them a lot. So it's it's (laughs) a little different. It's like we have our own thing going on. So it's it doesn't feel that long, but I love having them on. Please join me in welcoming the host and creator of Musical Hell on YouTube and so many other things. It's Christy Esterly. Good to be back. Andrew is right. It's been too long. And it has been somehow, too long. You've been on the show numerous times. Yeah. And you've never talked about a phantom property. No, I haven't, which is weird because I'm one of the huge, you know, bigger phantom nerds in Jess's circle. So you are. You actually like the musicals. And I think you like all the musicals except maybe like the David Stoller. Well, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of not just the musical itself, but the, you know, story in general through multiple incarnations, which is why I'm. Really excited to be talking about our subject today. And that brings us to our subject today, where we're going to dive into a time machine almost 100 years in the past. Yeah. We're we're getting to that point where the dawn of film is a century. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Ago. Um, This week, we are talking about the Phantom of the Opera for Phantom May, but the 1925 version. Cue the music.
the Opera is a film written by, and this is a mouthful, Walter Anthony, Elliot J. Clausen, Bernard McConville, Frank M. McCormick, Tom Reed, Raymond L. Schrock, Jasper Spearing, and Richard Wallace. None of them are credited. This is why we have unions. <laughs> what the fuck? They're, none of them are credited? Not, Not a even single one soul. There was, there was a lot that went, there was a lot that went on during um, the creation of this movie. There was, there were oh, issues, yeah. so... Yeah, there was issues, but also, like, in these days, like, what do you write? Like, oh, he goes up the stairs, and then he makes a face, and then Mm -hmm. the title says this. Yeah. So I get it, but even at the time, they were trying to not credit Gaston LaRue, because they assumed this this book had no copyright, and then he sued, and he got money, and then died two years later, but... Yeah. um, You know, um, but the film was directed by Rupert Julian, who is the credited director, but there are several uncredited directors, including Lon Chaney himself, Ernst Lemley, and Edward Sedgwick. So we got four directors, a dozen writers... Didn't credit the original book. Didn't credit anybody. <laughs> the, the, the early Hollywood was a mess. This is one of those movies where you look at how the process of it and you're like, it's incredible that it, you know, came out as well as it did and holds up as well as it does. A lot of that, I think, is Lon Chaney himself. Um, you know, I cannot, I cannot praise him enough. He is the goat of cinematic phantoms. I mean, you know, we're talking scale. Lon Chaney is all the way up here. Then you kind of have this mid-level, which is like, you know, Claude Rains, Charles Dance, um, Robert Englund, maybe um, Raman Karamloo if we're talking pro shots. And then like all the way down in the basement, you got Gerard Butler and Julian Sands. So. <laughs> oh. If you overplayed the kid in Phantom of the Mall. <laughs> <laughs> I have opinions. Um, I mean, these are good opinions. And I feel like that's not like a hardcore one people are going to fight you on. I feel no. like most people are like, and yeah, also, Long you know, Chaney's also, the best Also, he's a local Phantom. boy. Also, he's a local boy. Um, uh, Lon Chaney was born and raised in Colorado Springs out here. So, And we do have a mm-hmm. Lon Chaney theater in our old auditorium that de- deeply needs renovating. So, I'm curious if they were like in Colorado Springs to put a statue of Lon Chaney, would they make him the man or make him like one of his thousand of faces? I would, you know what, if they were to do something like that, you know, I might do something, you know, where he's like holding his makeup kit. Or, you know, maybe have him or maybe looking, you know, maybe have him and like maybe like kind of do an abstract thing on the base where you have like all his different characters because, you know, they called him the man of the thousand faces and he uh, he obviously earned that. He not only did um, the Phantom, he did Quasimodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame like a year or two before this. He was uh, London after midnight. You've all seen the picture where he's got that like, big oh, yeah. creepy grin and the yeah. So he's done. He was a fantastic um, makeup artist, so he was a great artist. But as most people like who do bring critiques to Lon Chaney, like living in the age of the silent, silent era, is that he had very little variety in characters. Like he would never play the leading man; <laughs> he would always play the weird outcast, and people thought like that was limiting on him. But I felt like he was so good at it. Why? He was why very not do good it? at it. I mean, this you know, um, this is uh, he's you know. There's a lot of, you know, silent movie stuff in there, you know, kind of, you know, kind of like um, Kathy says in Singing in the Rain, where they're doing all the dumb show stuff. There's very a lot of that. But he does some fantastic, um, subtle work in this. Um, There's a scene near the end um, where, you know, they've got the scorpion and the grasshopper thing where, you know, he tells her, you know, tells Christine, you know, if you're going to marry me, you turn the scorpion. And if you don't want to marry me, you're going to turn the grasshopper and blow up the entire opera house. 
there's a moment where she reaches for the grasshopper and you can just see him tense up like he's going, oh, my God, would she really rather do this than be with me? And it's just, you know, that, you know, that horror <laughs> and, you know, it's it's fantastic. I love him. <laughs> I though it is more of a choice than the choice at the end of the Weber musical where it's like either I kill your boyfriend and you end up with me or you choose to end up with me and I don't kill your boyfriend. What? What's the choice? Oh man, what a choice! I I, I think kill him, man. Um, but tech, the the version of the Phantom of the Opera that has been submitted to the National Film Registry and is the iconic one is not one that currently really comes out. This film has been through a lot of development, and we have a very ugly version of it. The first cut of the film was previewed in Los Ange- Angeles on January seventh and twenty sixth of nineteen twenty five. Audience reactions were extremely negative and summed up the complaint of there's too much spook melodrama. Put in some gags to relieve the tension. <laughs> the 20s. Um, and let's let's contextualize this. There is yet to be an American horror film at this point. This could even arguably said to be the first American horror film. So it was not something people were used to. But by March, the studio decided against the ending where the Phantom was basically redeemed by Christine kissing him and him dying of a broken heart. And they were Mm -hmm. like, no, we ain't doing that. Um, Which is now officially lost media. We will never see that. Yeah, we've got some stills of it, but but we don't have any of the footage, which I think is a shame. We do have a lot of, you know, of the original um, cut, which is um, very much closer to the original novel. And there is... I I'm terribly sorry. I have not. I've kind of coming on this um, very quickly, but I have not had a chance to look at like my co- collector's edition DVD. But there's like one that has like an earlier 1925 cut. I mean, it has the chase scene at the end, but it has a lot more of the original stuff in it as well. And mm-hmm. really interesting to watch. It's interesting because there's so many different variations. So. Universal immediately started seeing red flags in their head as soon as like, oh, negative reaction. We can't do that. Our next Marvel tentpole Universal horror film is not doing well. So they they outright canceled the New York premiere and it was rushed back into production with a new script that focused more on Christine's love life. Rupert Julian probably walked away from the production or was fired at this point. In any case, he was no longer involved with the film. And to salvage it, they called upon the journeyman that is... A journeyman, basically. They don't really know who it was. I think his name was Hoot Gibson, but basically all of that footage was cut out. Then Edward Sedgwick, <laughs> who would turn out to be Buster Keaton's main cameraman, was assigned to direct and reshoot a bulk of the film. And the original screenwriters wrote new scenes at the request of Sedgwick. The film was then changed from the dramatic thriller that it originally was into a more romantic comedy with action elements, including a duel with Rao and a new character called the Russian Count Ruboff, um, where Rao gets shot, and but it hits his belt, so he survives. This version was more akin to a Buster Keaton film, much more comedy version. Um, it's a great, great show of people that don't understand what they are. So they premiered this version in San Francisco on April 26th of 1925, and it did not do well at all. With <laughs> I the wonder audience why. Booing they made it a comedy off the screen. Version? Yes. Why would they? So what's funny about the story? I don't even understand. How do you I even make know, it funny? But there is, you know, in what, uh, what I guess we would consider the... Um, not even the final one, because there was like one more where they added some sound stuff. But in like the the um, one that's most common, 
they have like this random stagehand who's like doing um, pratfall stuff in several scenes just to yes. add a, li- just, add a yeah. bit of levity. He's he's he appears nowhere in the book. We don't know where he came from. He's just there to. I'm gonna goofy. say he's the rat catcher. Fuck it. <laughs> Except the, the actual rat catcher does come in in later. Oh, in you're the- right. Shoot. Yeah. So he's not. He's just the guy. funny guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the funny man. <laughs> um, and the third and final version resulted with basically everyone editing together every version that they had until it was an ugly hodgepodge, including revising the ending where he gets chased by an angry mob. Mm-hmm. And this quote unquote final version debuted September 6th, 1925 at the Astor Theater in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it was well received enough. People thought it was fine, but they really thought this was going to be a big kind of like blockbuster, so to say. Um, the Aster was not something you rented just for small events. And that was where we were there. And then a few years later, they revised it again and added sound to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they just got randos to voice over it. I think. I think Lon Chaney, I think, actually had died by that point. Yes, so he, he didn't. Had. He didn't live past much past the um, advent of talkies. So he did, and also, but they brought back Mary Philbin to do her mm-hmm. own dubbing and all that. And yeah. Mary Philbin's her own can of worms. One of the more interesting human beings to ever live, from what I gather. And then that was what would existed as the print of the Phantom of the Opera was a dubbed over version of the Phantom of the Opera that they turned the music, the the voices off of. <laughs> so the. The talky version of it is now the version that's most common, but yes. without the talking. Yes. More or 100%. less, yes. That's why when you turn on the Phantom <laughs> of the Opera, when you see the free version on YouTube, it's just this weird static shot of a shadow walking around. There was originally <laughs> narration and nonsense over that. Why is there still title cards? That I don't know. I wish I had an answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no <laughs> yeah, good answer. This, is, this one exists in that kind of that same weird area, almost in that same weird area as the Robert Englund movie where it's like, okay, you can tell this kind of started as a, you know, something that was more or less accurate to the book, but then, pe- but then the movie industry got in the way. Because, you know, we've got the comic character, um, we've got um, Arthur Carew, um, is, who was originally, you know, actually, his character was originally identified as the Persian, for some reason became this secret police guy named Ledoux. The woman who originally <laughs> played Carlotta was now Carlotta's mother. It's, it's very odd, some of the directions they took with this. They gave it their best shot three times, four times, and uh, none of them worked out fully well (laughs) so this film is i can't even say it's really (laughs) the only thing that's great about it is anytime ron or lon chaney is on screen sincerely i think you know he's fantastic i think some of the production values um also hold up very well apart from you know lon chaney and his makeup um there was you know back then you uh they didn't do a whole lot of location shooting because it was too expensive it was just cheaper to build something in the studio so they built like this entire replica of the Palais Garnier Auditorium on Universal Studio. And it stood for decades after that. I, I don't know if they finally tore it down or not, but 
Um, it was around for it quite burnt a- down with oh. the big universal fire that happened in the mid two thousands. So yeah, that same the, thing that yeah. So it's no longer there, but it was there for a long time, and they used it. I think they actually mm-hmm. used it for the um forty, the Claude Rains, which I think was forty three. I th- 40, they used it there, yeah. and they used it for some other stuff as well. So it was, you know, it was just a magnificent um, piece of theater, that, uh, set piece that they put on all the tours. It was a great bit of history. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, there's, you know, some good, I think the Phantoms, you know, the Phantoms house un- um, under the opera house is, or at, under the opera is very reasonably well done for the most part. Um, and, uh, you know, as dumb as the chase scene is, there's a neat little Easter egg where he runs past, uh, the outs, the outside of Notre Dame, which of course was a set that had been built for, um, when he played Quasimodo in Hunchback mm. of Notre Dame. <laughs> the rumor was that Lon Chaney was haunting that, uh, st- soundstage for years and years. There like that was, was the- I think there was also a rumor that he had like a bench, like somewhere in Los Angeles where he would just show up. Like waiting for the bus or whatever. He's the phantom of the soundstage for the <laughs> phantom of the opera. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think people just like ghost stories, especially like connecting it to a figure like this. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, there's a phantom and he's played the Where? phantom. Yeah. Where did they film all well, the boat yeah. stuff? Because that's what's interesting to me is they have all these sets with water where they're like running this little canoe through or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, they had probably had like, you know, tanks or whatever that they de- did stuff like that, like they do now. So, I mean, yes, but also like I, I'm trying to imagine like there's no chlorine in that. That's just random water they have all <laughs> filled with shit. Yeah. Like it's and Lon Chaney's going under there full head first and all that yeah. <laughs> with like 90 buckets of clay on him. Don't they have that scene where like a whole group of people is like running through that water? There is, yes. Uh, who knows what's in that? There might have been an actual sewer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It would not it surprise me. It was the 1920s. Me. They didn't have the health regulations. I'm trying to... Know. I'm they trying didn't have to, germ theory yet. <laughs> that, no, no. Everyone just, you know, shat in the streets and then washed their hands on each other. What I do want to say is Mary Philbin often gets overlooked in this film because, you know, like, you got, you got Lon Chaney really acting it up. Mm-hmm. She's probably like the best Christine to ever. Like she's never she's not book very accurate, good. And but again, she's, she's great. doing some over the top stuff. But when she's doing, you know, when she reins it in, there's um, some really cool stuff. I think the scene she does on the rooftop is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, especially where there's this bit where um, she and Roll are embracing, and she he's got his arms around, he's got his arms at her waist, and she just kind of pulls him down. It's like, okay, slow down, slow your roll, dude. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, you have the incredible unmasking scene where I don't think yes. it would work if she wasn't selling it. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And again, you know, 100 percent classic um, there. Um, I think, you know, I think we do have to talk about uh, the makeup, though, because the oh yeah, we can't the long not. and the short of it is, is that this couldn't he could not have done this if this had been a sound film. He had stuff pushing his nose in his nose, pushing it up. He had mm-hmm. like some stuff in his cheeks that were hollowing it out. It was, and he had the false teeth. Um, so he probably there couldn't was, even talk yeah, and all that. There, there was a lot going on where you know you couldn't do that um, and actually be able to spe- speak or sing effectively. 
Um, there's, you know, when they were doing the Lloyd Webber musical, they were, you know, testing out some makeup with Michael Crawford. And, you know, they tried some like some of that cheek padding. And he said it just made him sound like Marlon Brando and the Godfathers. So, <laughs> didn't so work, that didn't work out. One of the wildest things that I learned in my research that I never noticed and now I can't unnotice. He doesn't have dentures in. He has a very specific way that he has the, the mouthpiece in. And mm-hmm. it's not in his mouth. It's on his lips. So he's tucking mm-hmm. his lips in, and it's glued to his lips. Yeah. So it always mm-hmm. protrudes outward. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's horrific. Um, mm-hmm. He applied it all, and he says most of the effect of what people think they see is the coloration that he uses. Yeah. He, I would, be, you know, there's all that big stuff, but a lot of what he did was very subtle um, shading and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently, you know, the red death mask that he wears in the masquerade scene. Apparently, that was also makeup. That that tracks to me like um, so yeah. It's, how did this guy? How much time do you think he had to spend in that makeup? Oh, definitely like over fourteen hours a day. It's not like this <laughs> was. Oh my yeah. god! Like just thinking about like his nose being pushed up like that mm-hmm. for like a long period of time. That's got to be so uncomfortable. And if it's on his lips, he can't close his mouth, can he? Because no, it's like not really on- no. Yeah, oh so, but that's what also makes, like, the horror moments really work. But, like, that iconic photo of him where he's got his arms crossed and all that. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I always looked at that, and I was like, why is his mouth like that? And now I realize it's just because he can't shut his mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he also put, like, like egg filling, like, proper, to make his eyes look cloudier. Right. Like, he was... He he was the real deal. Like Lon Chaney was made for this, and he was born to deaf mutes, so he had to yes. learn to express himself non-verbally from a very young age, and mm-hmm. no one did it better than him. Um, yeah. the makeup is great, but have you ever done research into Mary Philbin at all? I don't mean to l- l- I have linger not, on her, and now I'm dying to hear what you've learned. <laughs> so she was in another film, The Man Who Laughs, which is a Victor Hugo adaptation, and mm-hmm. a bunch of. Sh- bunch of silent films she was like the the face of silent film do you know her entire tenure she was in dozens and dozens of movies it started in 1921 and she retired in 1929 at the age of 26 (laughs) and she was never in another movie again she died at the ripe old age of 90 in 1993 Uh, she never married but tried to marry one of her like closest friends who happened to have been jewish and her family was very catholics so they, she was not allowed to marry him. When he eventually died, he kept all of her love letters. And when she died, she kept his. <laughs> I, I just the more I read about this woman, the more fascinating I yeah. found her. I did know I did know that she um, her career basically ended with the talkies, which, you know, the the Norma Desmond thing was very real. Obviously, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who were not able to make that transition for one reason or another. So. But I don't think she tried. I think she just actively said, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm 26. Out. <laughs> I'm out. I am over the hill. It's time to go. Which makes, I don't know, like she fascinates me. And the more I think about her, the more I'm like, man, what, mm-hmm. a, what an interesting human being. That being said, let's talk about how this is one of the most groundbreaking films of all time based on just cinematic advancement. Mm-hmm. So one of the first Technicolor Films like it has Technicolor scenes in it, including the rooftop scene and especially and the ma- that red yeah, death. And the masquerade ball, which is fantastic sequence. It looks mm-hmm. great. So, and then it also for its r- release 
had some of the first 24 frames of second footage that had sync sound where for all the opera scenes. Mm-hmm. Which is, I know it's ridiculous to say 24 frames a second with sync sound. Oh my gosh, the technology! But it was... <laughs> Yeah, but that's why you, you that's why you you have that why you see so many films um silent films and they haven't compensated for the frame rate which is why they have that kind of jerky mm-hmm. you know sped up feel to it. And this while it does in some points mostly works like my eye didn't feel confused by it. Right. And it basically started an entire string of a horror anthology that is still connected to things like Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, the invisible man, the wolf man. Yeah, this is this is basically the ground zero of the universal horror. Um, I don't know if you'd even call it a franchise, but that entire umbrella of the classic, you know, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Dracula, the Invisible like Man. A genre more than anything. Yeah. But. It created the American horror genre. While there was other mm-hmm. things like, you know, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and other pieces. Yeah, of but that media. was like that was that was German expression weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is just a proper spooky movie. Mm-hmm. It should have more gags, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, the villain needs comeuppance. Come on. <laughs> but they didn't. But the, the chase scene is not the only ending alternative to this movie. There is also another variation where he lets Christine go and then he leaves a note on her doorstep like, hey, I'll always care for you and blah, 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 blah. And that's it. Which I think <laughs> is a good middle ground. Yeah. Where, you know, he doesn't quite die and get redeemed, but he also isn't quite, like, you know, murdered by a mob. (laughs) Yeah. But who cares what we have to think about this movie? Like, it's time to compare our opinions to the real critics over on (laughs) Letterboxd.com. It's time for reviews! It's time for previews! It's time for previews! It's a Letterboxd game. Um, all right. If for those of you who have not been with us very long, this is a game where I'm going to read a real letterbox review. None of these are fake to both Andrew and Christy. And they have to tell us based on the review alone, whether it was a one star or a five star. All right. Are we ready? Let's go for it. Yeah. All right, Christy, you're up first. Mm -hmm. Homeboy's mask is a thousand percent scarier than his face. I don't know. Five star. That is correct. All right. Very scared of the mask, but not the. Uh, the mask like, is unsettling. The mask there is, is very un- unsettling. Yeah. Uncanny Valley. And it but he's, the makeup, he's got though. yeah he's got like the the barb which is like the veil underneath so you can kind of see his mouth under it and see that it's not quite right. Okay. Okay. I, I still don't know if I agree. The makeup's pretty pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't exactly agree either. But it's yeah. It it. It's a very it's a very unsettling appearance. I agree. Um, but at least you can see a human behind the makeup. I know what you're saying, Andrew. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that, that you can see like the human being underneath it all. Okay. If that's what <laughs> that's what you say, that I feel like that makes it worse. <laughs> um, all right, Andrew, you're up next. Okay. Crazy Eric and his snorkel rack. <laughs> Why does he have two snorkels? I was That's listening a to a historian. Qu- it's like, what are them a spare or what? But when well, me and Christine want to go rat diving. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, one is for Christine probably, but also maybe it is just a spare. In case like, I lose one in my snorkel murdering. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a reasonable thing. Maybe one of them is for the rat catcher. Maybe. <laughs> I, I feel like he wouldn't give the rat catcher one. He'd say, hold his breath. So we're going to go with 
five stars for noticing small details that they liked it. That is a good tactic, and yes, that is correct. Christy, mm-hmm. next one. Okay. The Phantom, smash or pass? <laughs> oh, jeez. We already know the answer to that. Smash. <laughs> oh, pff. one star. That is a five star. Oh, okay. like, I guess, yeah, if you're talking, if you're going to smash or pass them, I mean... It's actually more smash or blow up the, the opera house. Well, yeah. With everyone inside. You will smash or pass with me, or you will send him to his grave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Yeah. Shadows on the wall have always been cool. <laughs> yeah, but that opening, though, maybe a little too much shadows on the wall. Uh, <laughs> what is blackness if not just a big shadow on a wall? <laughs> We're going to go with uh, one. That is correct. They do All right, Christy. I got to say, though, there is some good s- shadow work in here. I mean, there's a bit in the opening where you have the ballet girls, you know, kind of running around and freaking out. And then, you know, in the early scenes, um, you know, uh, the Phantom, you know, only just appears in silhouette and shadow. And I think it's, you know, it's used very effectively. I like the shadow of the guy that got hung. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's um, a good point, too. I mean, you know, the the comic relief guy is, you know, just kind of raising a set and, you know, behind him, you see this and then you see the feet dangling and then it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's a that's a good part. I feel like more filmmakers today need to watch silent films to know how to do storytelling a little easier mm-hmm. for themselves. Uh, s- filmmakers today are spoiled by, I mean, you, you just have everything. They really limitations, do. I think. Limitations. Breed creativity. Yeah, you should almost put limitations on yourself on purpose when you're trying to make something. Yeah. You hear that, kids? Shoot at 10 frames a second. <laughs> 10 frames. Oh, I see. You're trying to increase it to 12? No. Uh, but that's what the Dogma 95 movement was known as. They made a set of rules where like, it, no fake lighting could be used. It had to be on all handheld prosu- or consumer cameras. And all those films look like shit, except for maybe <laughs> Dancer in the Dark, which still looks like shit. Yeah. Well, setting limitations and, and setting uh, strict guidelines of you're not allowed to do anything is uh, two different things, I think. <laughs> um, suppose that's true. I forget who's next. Is it you, Christy? I think it's me, yes. All right, next one. How did anyone think he had a gigantic nose? Okay, I know what this is referencing, and I'm thinking probably because um, they don't get the, um, I'm guessing one star. That is correct. (laughs) Okay, so this is, okay, so what's happening is, again, opening scene with the ballet dancers, you know, they're talking about the Phantom and, oh my God, you know, he's so scary. And, you know, one of them says, he had no nose. And the other one says, oh my God, yes, he did. It was totally enormous. And they were like, wait, what? And actually, this is um, something that was happened in the original novel was they were like discussing different ideas of what they thought the phantom looked like. And the guy with like the really big nose was supposed to be like the rat catcher who, you know, like held his lantern up to his face and it was all spooky and looked like it was floating in the air. So I like the there's like a title card, I think, where one of the people says nose, no nose or something. He has no nose. Yeah. (laughs) But it is also enormous. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's um, Joseph Bouquet telling them what the Phantom looks like, and he's holding like this creepy prop head and fiddling with the eyes the whole time. Another, you know, really neat effect. So, um, yeah, but it's an anachronistic thing because the opera that that head's from is um, not 
uh, from an opera that would have existed in the time of Gaston the Rue. So zero I'm out of ten. I'm not sure how you would know that. I mean, it's just like a random prop thing. No, it's specifically from a specific opera. Uh, <laughs> I learned it from a historian commentary, and I'm going to put mm-hmm. it into my Cinema Sins video. <laughs> ding. Um, ding. <laughs> and you know, let's call it a tie, because let's move on. Woo! You both are equally good at knowing the crazy people on Letterboxd.com and for fun facts of Phantom of the Opera. On that note, how about we go into a mid-show and then we can talk about some more songs. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, sorry to bother you, but today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Ah, so many things over at Patreon. I promise it'll pick up in June. It's just, I've been busy. (laughs) I've been busy, kids. Know the feeling. June is busting out all over. Uh, Making this movie might kill me. Um, Yeah. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Oh, me too. I'd I'd like to just fast forward to that part. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Did like you, the man said, art isn't easy, so. It isn't, but also, I've lost, <laughs> I've basically lost a pound a day since we started, and it is honestly worrying me, because now I'm down to like 28 pounds down. Wow. And we need to eat some food. Yeah. Yeah, it's not start, great. Start eating like burgers every day or something I nasty. I can't. <laughs> when you're on set, you can't eat anything. You really, if you eat something, then you have to go to the bathroom. Literally, someone says, you have to tell someone if you're going to the bathroom. (laughs) And I'm like, I'd rather you not know that I did that. Just announce loudly, I'm going to take a shit. (laughs) (laughs) You do it on the walkie. Um, Just so you know, I'm going to take a massive dump, big dookie. It is is poo-poo time. Uh, it's not as bad as with <laughs> actors who are 100% mic'd during the day so any conversation they can't have a secret conversation they can't mm-hmm. do anything I'm gonna hear it they're gonna hear it they can't have a moment alone so I yeah either way unless they want you to hear it yeah um, <laughs> hear me bitch more about it in our private discord chat which is available <laughs> on our Patreon Andrew who's currently supporting us on Patreon our current patrons are <clears throat> Melissa Goldman, Danielle Rennix, Justice Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Monica Throne, Brent Black, Lasaniel Stacy Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Mary Lou Choquette, v- Jean Vanals, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Gracie, Kyle Summers, Janae C, Scoot in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, 
Liz Lim, nothing is certain except Beth and Taxes, Thesbian, Rafael Martinez Salas, Jessica T, Mitchell Young, Chai Teacup, Katie McDonough, Chris Marcote, Kiji Marie Anastasio, Leela, RJ Nariga, Charlie B, Charlie Brown, I assume, Bjorn Hermans, Toriana Frazier, Sammy the Most Lopez, Liana Morton, Kaylee Blazier, Cinemageddon Reviews, Villainous Miss, Sofina Ali, The Omega Geek, Paige Pearson, Maddie Wargle, Eliza Erdman, Anna Laskatova, Cheska Veray, Sarah Den Blaker, Evan Ball, Zachary Torres, Gathering Party Before Venturing Forth, Rora Marasso, Mara Forloin, uh, Mara Forloin, uh, Captain Rod Tastic, Lisa L, Nobody, Renee Thomas, What Did Boris Say, Puffy Boy, Summer, and Julia Hardy. They give us financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you would like to Find join them in supporting us. Company. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I don't know if you heard Musical Hell in there, but they're here. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're better than you, in fact. One of the <laughs> early patrons. Honestly, like one of the first, like, I'd say top 10%, like, yeah. Stick around. They, they've been here since day one. <laughs> um i love them all they're all good people and they they have fun in our discord chat um and they have fun in our patreon meetups and they have fun um let's get back to the show lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So when we've been covering other things, like we covered the Phantom of the Mall, we covered the Robert Englund version, and we covered Phantom of the Paradise, we do a ratio of how much LaRue does it take. And this one easily takes the most LaRue. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, it would have taken more um, had they not uh, taken the blades to it. Right. <laughs> um. What what do you think are the most daunting things that makes a phantom movie a phantom movie, uh, Christy? What do you think needs to happen for it to be a proper adaptation? For it to be a proper adaptation, um, I think, you know, basically, um, I would say you have to have a space which is um, theoretically haunted that turns out to be somebody who is basically pulling, um, you know, the old Scooby-Doo trick where it's just like a guy in a costume or whatever. Um, You you know, preferably uh, this person is disfigured in some way and um, usually has a, you know, romantic attraction to a character in the film. I think those are the main, I think that's the broad bones of the story. That's if you want to include, like, everything, because I feel like you could cut out some stuff by being, like, it has to be a music venue, you know, yeah. it has to be somebody who wears, like, a mask and is attracted to a singer in particular, and they write music. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, but then you lose things like Phantom, like Phantom of the Mall or and stuff, and like those Phantom oddball the ones. So yeah, which I think that is a true adaptation. That actually has more Larue elements than most adaptations. Honestly, I think the least Larue adaptation is probably the Max Shell version, <laughs> where he's like, "I'm I'm just kind of your dad figure, whatever." All right, we're, <laughs> we're gonna do that. Um, I'm your dad. There is a lot of ones where it is a lot more fatherly. Honestly, I think that the. Um, Phantom the American Musical um, one is probably one of the least LaRue accurate ones too it is one of the least LaRue accurate um, but it's one of those where it's like I love it even though it's like completely off of you know anything that was actually in the original story I mean again you've got the broad bones of Mm -hmm. you know the characters and the setting and the main plot points but there's a lot going on there where it's like okay well that's different I, so I mean, the, different isn't bad. Let's just say no. That. It's not. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like the Wicked the Musical of Phantom adaptations. I mean, it bears no resemblance to what actually happened in the source material, but it's good. So the 1925 Phantom, yes, this one feels like it actually keeps the mystery element to it a does, point. Does yes, which is something almost none of them do. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much every single one beyond this is just like, well, yeah. well and that's, everyone knows it's a guy, so yeah, it's a guy. And I that's mean. kind of part of, part of that is kind of built into the way it's written. Because if you read the original LaRue novel, I mean, you know, the the reveal of, you know, the of who the Phantom is doesn't happen until like right around halfway through the book. And right. And up till then, it's like, OK, there's all this weird stuff happening, but we don't know why. So it's a little like, you know, both Dracula and Jekyll and Hyde in that respect, where um, the, the, you know, the twist where it's a vampire or they're both the same guy or it's just this really ugly guy living in the basement. Um, by the, you know, we get to this point where it's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows that. So we're not even going to pretend it's a twist anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got a weird question for you. And Chrissy, you probably know this better than me. Has there ever been an adaptation of The Phantom of the Opera where it's actually a ghost? <laughs> Like, like not a guy, but an actual. They they reverse the twist. They're like, I am what if it's pretty, a guy? You know oh, wait, what? No, it's there not. probably is, but I am not thinking of one right now. Because if I were to make the Phantom of the Opera, if someone was like, "Here's two million dollars," I don't even need like twenty million dollars. Give me <laughs> wait, two. Jess, uh, is it uh, is Phantom of the Auditorium? Yes, that is oh, the God, Goosebumps right, one. Oh, you're right, the Goosebumps yes. one. He does, He's a ghost. It, there, the kid's a ghost. The ghost at the end. So, yeah, there is that one. That is the only one. That's we the did only it. one that did, turned the twist on its head to actually make it a ghost. <laughs> okay, and there was actually an episode of The Muppet Show where there was supposedly a phantom in the theater and the, the guy phantom was, the you Muppet know, theater. said he was murdered on his opening night by the critics. Uh, Kermit, Kermit, what the heavy skull-like head Fiery green eyes and a uh, point I don't know. I don't know either, but it's right behind you! Statler and Waldorf go hard. <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet Phantom of the Opera. Come on. They, we- that actually exists. There is like a book adaptation where they where it's Muppet characters. That's wonderful. Uh. So we don't have to make it up. Who who plays who plays who? We could just read the book. It's in there. Well, yeah. um, the Phantom is Uncle Deadly, which is you know yeah, who was the original that's Phantom a... character in that? He's the one with like the kind of creepy long nose. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, stuff. And then you know Piggy and uh, uh, Kermit obviously are Christine and Ralph. I don't know who else. How where it I all feel goes like from Piggy there. should have been Carlotta. 
Yeah, she kind of would fit into that role more, but I mean, it's Piggy. She is going to take the lead role every time, and she deserves it, because she's the queen. But that's what makes her Carlotta. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. I mean, it's funnier with her as Christine, because then she has more screen time or book time or whatever. I get why they make that call, but also, she is Carlotta. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If it were a proper movie, they'd hire pop singer xyz to play christine and then she'd be (laughs) carlotta um and then you know ra would be normal guy and then uncle deadly or dead guy or uncle or gonzo (laughs) probably would be the phantom it's always gonzo they always pick gonzo a mask that like straightens out his nose or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is this is one of my favorite Gonzo gags of all time, and it's a it's a, the Star Wars thing where he comes in in the Darth Vader costume, and Piggy's like, "Who are you behind that mask?" And he turns profile so you can see the nose. And well, you might ask. <laughs> <laughs> I l- so yeah, I love he would it. have to he would have to do that in a Phantom parody. I, so so. Back to LaRue. This has like all the hallmarks and it has the chandelier crash. It has crash. more of the hallmarks than a lot of movies and it, a lot of adaptations do. It has Raoul's older brother. It Philippe. has it has kind of a per, the Persian character. Yeah. Um, in the original version, I think they did have uh, Mama Valerius who was, um, you know, basically the woman who took care of Christine after mm-hmm. she died or after, after she died. After her father, after Christine's father died, she yeah. took care of Christine. So, and um, in the so, original yeah. version, they had the cemetery sequence with the skulls. Yeah, they did have that. Um, and then there was like, yeah, they have, you know, the masquerade. They have the scorpion and the grasshopper and the threat of blowing up the opera house. Um, there's, a you know, the plot, the rough arc of the plot is very close to what happens in the um, original novel. So, yeah, it's. Even even chopped up, it is pretty darn close. It's the closest we thing we've got so far. So, yeah, it needed more Count Ruboff, the Russian that challenges Raul to a duel. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly felt that was needed. Uh, one of the okay, I don't know who this historian is, but on YouTube there's a full commentary on like the Phantom of the Opera, and he would just spit out the wildest facts about just people's lives, like. The Persian actor comes on screen. He's like, this actor was this person and he was a giant alcoholic and killed himself four <laughs> years after <What>? this. <laughs> and then is this we like, just move on. Mm-hmm. Is that even true? Does he just make it's this shit possible? up? It's possible. I mean, I don't know anything about Arthur Caruso. I just found like his very like throwing things away. So actually I did steal the, the snorkel joke from him. He's like, and if you can see there's two snorkels, I assume it's because he wanted a late night date with Christine to go snorkeling, but I don't know. <laughs> um, it's just, he, it was one of the wildest commentaries that I was going to kick myself if I didn't bring up, like he'd, he'd say good facts. Like honestly, he'd break down mm-hmm. like the actual like things about that. But my gosh, like what is this? What is this YouTuber's name? Not a YouTuber, like um, <laughs> it's um, not a YouTuber. So he's just putting out it's commentaries. It's an actual on... historian. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like it was included with the DVD box set. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> Scott McQueen. <laughs> okay, this is incredible. <laughs> and he's an interesting fella. He's a film preservationist. What, what what a wild person! What a what a wild thing! If he, it is on YouTube, I do recommend it. But mm-hmm. strangely, he's doing a commentary on the sound version. Huh. Like, the the more I unpack what this is, it's strange. But it has Madame Jury. It has Meg Jury. 
played by, I believe, a nepotism hire. <laughs> the actress who played Meg Jerry lived to be 104 years old, dying in 2014. Wow. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Um, Carla Lemley, um, who I believe is the daughter of Universal head Carl Lemley. Yeah. She's she's uh, come up. Uh, she she's spoken out a lot about this movie, too. So and it actually takes place in France, where a lot of other ones are like, eh, yeah, London. <laughs> so let's talk about how the Universal ended up with the rights and making this film. Um, Carl Lemley went to um, the opera, opera popular, uh, opera Garnier. Forgive opera me. Garnier, yeah, the popular is like whatever Andrew Lloyd Webber thought it was yeah. called. <laughs> um, and he met Gaston LaRue. And he's like, I love this opera house. I love this opera house. He's like, I wrote a book about this, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is that this, you know, I think this really is where, um, you know, Phantom became, you know, kind of into integrate, fully integrated into, you know, the pop culture lexicon, at least in the United States, because the book was, you know, it did moderate business, but it wasn't like, you know, a best, uh, you know, a huge blockbuster. Yeah, it was. Interesting to see how, like, this, I feel like this has more of a cultural impact on society's, like, impression of the family opera than even the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. I feel like this is going to live longer than the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Mm -hmm. Do you think, sincerely, there will ever be another adaptation as good as this? You know what? It's really hard to say. Um, It's possible. It's always possible. But I think, you know, it's... You have to get that right balance of, you know, the the terror and the romance and the tragedy and, you know, kind of the melodrama of it all. Melodrama is very hard for people to do and understand. Um, and this is a very melodramatic story. So people are, you know, so you kind of have to find that a balance and, that this movie does. And I think that the best Phantom adaptations do figure out. So it's hard to say, you know, there's there's people who've said that there there is going to be a modern um, rework um, so, somewhere or the other. Um, and what would that but, be a mo- like? Would they do like in modern day or would they do it like in in the time like the 18? Yeah, no. I don't if I no. See, my thing is, if you're going to do a modern adaptation of Phantom of the Opera, I think you have to go back to the original book, which is, you know, not, you know, almost like Dracula in that it's like, here's all these reports and interviews and things about this crazy shit that happened. And yeah. you've got to turn it into like this kind of, you know, mockumentary or found footage thing where like people are talking on um, Zoom or over their phones or recording, you know, clips of stuff and kind of build it up that way. Do you remember when they were doing the... uh universal monster dark universe oh my god the the dark universe that never actually happened because the first movie tanked but do you remember the invisible man movie that came out like after that yes that was good that was really good if they did that Mm -hmm. for phantom of the opera i just think i think there's too much baggage right now though because if you make anything phantom of the opera immediately there's the musical that people Mm -hmm. are going to compare it to uh how do you get how do you push past I that good, i just want a good version of the andrew lloyd, lloyd webber musical on film <laughs> yeah i mean they could do that first <laughs> keep waiting um uh, yeah i know i mean i'll just i'll just be over here with like like the 25th anniversary pro shot it's not perfect but it'll do i don't think it'll do i don't love that pro shot 
I don't it, understand why they made it the way they did. It's better than the 2004 movie. Okay, just give me that. I kind of like the two. Like, I'm back and forth on the 2004 movie depending on the week. I will enjoy it. I will hate watch it. I, <laughs> I enjoy watching that more than I enjoy watching the 25th anniversary concert, I think is the best way to say that. Because there's so many stupid things in that movie that's hard not to have <laughs> a good time. Like, I love when I can see the camera on the Phantom and Christine during Music of the Night. I love <laughs> the weird sex doll close-up. I love, like, the wild masquerade choices. <laughs> oh my god, the guy doing, like, the Frug or the Vogue or whatever. Like, what the, the hell? The Jean Cocteau arms, which, speaking of Jean Cocteau... Um, Rupert Julian, who directed this film, was accused of being a poor man, Jean Cocteau, stealing all of his tricks with not without understanding why they were used in the first place. Huh. Um, and I can see that. I can. Yeah. Uh, everyone basically described Rupert Julian as mediocre and impotent. <laughs> and Ron Chaney despised him from the get go. But his name is forever attached to this. Um, yeah. Christy. I yes. am curious what your phantom ranking would be. I've asked Andrew, and he's already ranked this among this. I am curious what yours would be among all the adaptations you've seen. Um, among all adaptations, I would put this, you know, certainly the best film ver- filmed version. Mm-hmm. Best overall, I would say has to be like top, you know, top three. I would say top five minimum behind like the Lloyd Webber musical and what else? Yeah, Lloyd. We- it would probably be kind of. I'm not sure where it would rank above or below the Lloyd Webber musical, but they would kind of be both be in that top tier um, along with uh, the original novel. And um, let's see, those are the main ones. Susan Kay's Phantom. <laughs> you want a sexual so the, voice Phantom? <laughs> what's what's the worst one? I The one I, you know, just from reputation, uh, the Dario Argento version. It's so uh, Jess, wild. We're, we're doing that. We're doing that soon, aren't we? Next yes. week, kids. Next oh, week, I'm going, kids. Yeah, the rat, the rats. I am just going to leave it at that. And does he fuck the rats? <laughs> he there doesn't. Is, not there fuck is the intimacy rats. with rats involved. It is. <laughs> we do. And oh, he's I'm yeah. And the guy's not even disfigured. I mean, he's just just like this blonde. Co- you know, it's. At least they tried in the Schumacher film. I mean, it was bad, but they tried to make, you know, <laughs> try to say, look, he's hideous. It's like, he's got a sunburn, but they didn't even try on this one. <laughs> yeah, because Julian Sands didn't want to, like, wear a well, mask. But they have a mask on the poster, is the weird yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> and his daughter is playing Christine, which is, you know, there's all levels, that level of weird, so. There's a lot. There's a lot going there's on a, there. There is a lot going on there. So that's worse than Phantom of the Mall. I think so. Yes. I mean, when you're, t- you know, goofy eighty slasher films are their own thing. So it's true. The thing is, I've watched the Dario Argento film like over a decade ago. Um, I've since looked at his other work and really enjoyed it. Like I've watched Suspiria. I've watched Opera, which is a much better Phantom of the Opera movie than <laughs> the Phantom that, of the Opera yes. movie. Like, it's, like, everything you'd want from a Phantom of the Opera thing. It's modern, but whatever. But, Andrew, it it's everything you love about the Robert England movie cranked up to 10 million <laughs> to be a horrendous, horrendous the thing. The Robert England movie is honestly, you know, a lot higher on my rankings than I would have thought, than you would think just lit hearing about it. Again, that's another one where I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure this started as, you know, something more or less book accurate, and then they went... 
okay, why don't we turn it into a slasher movie with the Freddy Krueger guy? Yeah. But the time but, travel, time yeah, travel, but time travel. I mean, you know, it's got some it's got some fantastic, fantastic sequences. Um, Robert Englund is really good in it. And the, his makeup, again, uh, pretty good. So I think the only thing that holds the makeup back is that every time you see it, you're like, well, they're just trying to do Freddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it's so grisly. Like he's yeah, uh, they do like a partial like, Freddy. He, like, which he doesn't cool. wear a mask. He like puts people's stitches skin onto his face. That is like it's creative. That is like next level extra for what is a very extra character in general. It's Andrew. Why don't you remind us of your rankings really quick before we move on to our cheese ratings? <laughs> Should I just see? Do we want to move the this one? Yeah, yeah. probably. You... I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move this guy up. Meaning a the bit. Lon Chaney film. Yeah, the Lon Chaney one. We're moving it above Phantom of the Auditorium for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right below Robert Englund. <laughs> yeah, I can't say this one I enjoyed more. It, it it's just a silent movie. It's hard to get into. Um, fair enough. I think it's probably really good for its time and, and revolutionary mm-hmm. and all that, but like you don't think of that stuff when you're just trying to watch a movie. <laughs> I, I remember when people talked about Rent and Us, and they were like, you just had to be there. It was important for the moment. And you're like, I can't use that same excuse that people use for Pokemon the first movie on other media. <laughs> in A tier, I put uh, Phantom and Phantom of the Paradise, and the first Phantom is the American musical. I just really mm-hmm. like that one. Um, in the tier below that, we have Phantom of the Opera, the Weber version which I think is pretty good. Uh, and then the Robert England one after that, because I just really enjoy that one. Then Lon Chaney, and then Phantom of the Auditorium, which I think is uh, underrated. That's a, fun, that's a fun little thing to listen to. Oh yeah, buy their merch. <laughs> yeah, we have their merch. Um, honestly, below that I put the Weber movie, but I haven't watched it in a long time. And even when I was ranking it, I was like, I'm not sure where to put this. Um, so maybe it could go up, maybe it would go down. I'd have to watch it. I, it's been a long time. Um, and then Phantom of the Mall, uh, which just wasn't great, but you know, it, it had some fun. And then at the very bottom, I put Love Never Dies because I just fucking hate that. I just think oh, it sucks. That doesn't even count. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> love Never Dies. I kind of, I kind of love that the same way I love the Phantom movie, where it's just like I will enjoy watching every second of that for pure I, hate watching. I just I, really think it sucks. I really fucking hate it. <laughs> I, 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 I saw that creative process happening in real time, where it started with the London version, which is just them trying to do Phantom again, building up to what it would become, and somehow both getting better and worse. Yes. It was fascinating well, at and any then, time you know it's yeah and it's based on like a book that um weber commissioned in the 90s which is you know just as terrible if not more so Raul um, gets his ball shot where, off in a duel it wasn't yeah, with count gets his balls shot off and that's why he can't have kids by count what's his butt i guess yeah me, me and jess had a much better theory about cbt and him going a little too far <laughs> <laughs> No, Andrew, BPN's gonna kick us off. No CBT. <laughs> I Love Never Dies, I don't understand why it exists uh, other than money. It exists because Andrew Lloyd Webber has not had a really good hit since Phantom, and he's cr- trying to go back to the well by writing the worst fan fiction ever. Yeah, it just fucking... I think I hate that one especially because there's I've, I've talked to apologists like this guy over here. 
I'm not even an apologist. I just kind of think it's funny. Okay, well, that's fair. It is it's, objectively yeah. a funny thing that exists. It's funny that it exists, and it, it's, it's one of those things where it's... funny that it exists. I mean, you know, it's got like... It's got like the stupid, hey, remember we had sex one time song that goes on forever. It's beautiful. Come on. I just like, can't believe that she got the phantom pregnant. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it made sense dramaturgically. <laughs> you know, for that to happen. The great um, song about the the kid and his beauty underneath and oh my god yeah the song that t- <laughs> the song that you feel like you should have like the um what's his guy what the the guy who always jumps out at the sex predators coming on at saying Chris, something. Chris Hansen yeah <laughs> why, why don't you have a seat right there you, you were thinking about this child's yes, beauty you, underneath what were you doing there underneath what were you doing what, what was exactly? with the yes <laughs> <laughs> what did you take out that made him run away screaming <laughs> <laughs> Oh. No. And then yeah, and then poor Christine gets fridged at the end and it's stupid and she doesn't deserve it. <laughs> I have a pitch to how to fix Love Never Dies. I I, I write me, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Get get Jerry Butler and Emmy Ross back. Hear, do no, we get no. to hear your pitch? This is this is to Andrew Lloyd Webber alone. Make me a call. I will I, I have the pitch. He has the pitch. I actually came up with it while I was sick with COVID, and I've got it. I've got it in my brain. <laughs> I'm not Jess sure that's exactly going to actually get this I am. Um... Weber's going to Most... actually call you. He's like I, desperate. I, I He's want like, him to. You have something. You've worked too hard on this, <laughs> and I can see what you are going for. But no, you you don't. I'm the only one that knows how to fix this. You don't even need to change any of the songs. You don't need to. I I know. I have my structure away from this. Everyone hypothesize on Twitter what, what Jess is fucking talking about. <laughs> if we, you, know what? you know what? I will make a full video in the style of fixing Harry Potter the Cursed Child if we make it to $1,000 on our Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so write me, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I got, I got it. I got the goods. Um, Christy, this yes. was absolutely lovely, but what is your overall thoughts on the Phantom of the Opera 1925 and your cheese rating? It is, I, you know, I think it's a silent film classic. I think, you know, if you're a, you know, horror fan, film fan in general, certainly if you're any kind of Phantom fan, you need to see this. Um, be particular about which, about um, the soundtrack, though, because I got to give, I got to tell this story before we wrap up. The first time I saw this, I picked up, I got a, v, I got a VHS with the soundtrack was done by Rick Wakeman of Yes. And it is, you know, and I'm like watching the movie and I'm like, okay, this movie is really cool, but what the hell is up with this music? It is just like really weird um, stuff, overly synthesized with songs that have like really bizarre lyrics. Um, If you ever, if you ever find it, it's good for a laugh, but yeah, get a good, good quality silent film soundtrack to go with. Mm-hmm. And it's good. I would give it, I would call it cheddar cheese. It's a good, solid Ba- you know, foundational um, form of the genre. So that, that's a good one, and I also agree with that. I once saw this in a, a movie theater with a three-piece electric bass, like three different people playing electric bass okay. to the film, <laughs> and it did not work even a little. Bit. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a beautiful film and like all that kind of stuff, but you know, it's. It, it, it was a bit of a mess. Um, but Andrew, what about you? Um, watching this again, it's, I mean, 
I watched this a long time ago with Jess, uh, and this is the Truly, second time that I've was, seen it. That was our friendship starting, our blossoming. <laughs> oh yes, um, it's it's got a lot of good stuff going on, but there is some dry spells where it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, what, what am I what am I looking at here? Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> but w- when it gets going, it, it does get pretty good, and the makeup that Lon Chaney has on is is impressive. Yeah, honestly, part, like even that's like, paid worth the price of admission. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like really. So, as far as like a, a historical artifact and like just if you're a fan of uh, how movies like evolved and, and developed and the Phantom story in general, I think you have to check this version mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, I, I, I think agree. it's it's pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> not much more to say. I think we've talked it to death. Uh, and so my cheese rating is uh, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna give it a pimento. I feel like that's a fun cheese. <laughs> Just fun to say. I agree. Um, I love this movie, sincerely. I, I love the imagery from it more than watching it. Like, I love the ideas that it... Like, but it, it's not an easy watch. Like, it's not <laughs> something you just turn on and lazily watch. You kind of have to actively engage with it, which mm-hmm. is not everyone's favorite thing in the world. Um, but what really works... Like, I will revisit that unmasking scene very often. Mm-hmm. I will revisit that red death scene very often. But when it's just, you know, the, the manager's like, who's in the box? Whoa. <laughs> The it managers are really goofy in this one, even end. more so than the man, you know the managers usually are. So, yeah, it was that part's like, all right, I, I'm not loving this. Um, <laughs> it just keeps going. <laughs> and then, of course, it is lopsided. Um, the historian points out that like, like seven editors went into this over the course of making it, and none of it is coherent. And even at the time, people thought it it was an incoherent mess because of it. Like when Raoul hears the Phantom and Christine talking in the dressing room and suddenly he gives this like mischievous smile. He gives smile. like this weird little smile like, ah, oh, isn't that sweet? She's seeing somebody behind my back. It's, I that? <laughs> Apparently like he was reacting to something else, like to a crew member and then they're like, they whatever. just edit that yeah. in. They're just like, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> um, that just goes to show like what, where the medium was at the time. Um, and... <laughs> The, the, the historian's like, please don't blame this actor for having that response. He was responding to something else, and they just left it in. <laughs> um, that is not his choice for that moment, I don't think. Um, that being said, because of how lopsided this is, I'm giving a very specific cheese make rating, which is shredded cheese, but you accidentally mixed in Mexican cheese and Fiesta blend and a bunch of other things together. <laughs> Where, you know, it's it's still cheese. Like, you got some, you know, um, just basic cheeses from different brands and all that. And it's still going to work if you spread it around on your taco and you're still going to enjoy it. But it's kind of a mess. <laughs> um, and it's a little dated, you know. It's been, it's been a minute. But you know what? Once it's melted, you can't really tell how bad a cheese is. <laughs> that being said, Christy, this was lovely. I've missed hearing Thank your voice. Thank you. I missed loved seeing it. Your face. Again, have to do it more often. Of course, of course. Uh, when Wicked's coming out, we're going to have a lot more updates there, and we'll bring you on mm-hmm. for those. That being said, you have wonderful content um, yes, for people to um, find. I am promoting. on YouTube. I am on, you know, I'm on Twitter, and spout- I'm kind of on Spoutable. I'm still on Twitter, you know, as it, you know, crashes and burns. I'm on Tumblr. So yeah, look me up on Musical Hell. I'm on Patreon, obviously. So 
Yeah. Um. Thank you, Christy. And we're I, I as someone on your Patreon, it is worth being on there. Yes. I, I love you very much as a human being and as a just a genuine person. I am so grateful for your friendship and for you coming on. You know who thank else you. I'm grateful for, Andrew? Uh, if I were to guess, you're probably going to want me to say pay our patrons. No, it was going to be you, but then you Aww. had to be a little Fuck. dick about it, and now it's going to be our patrons. Thank you guys for listening. I Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. <laughs> we're on Patreon, Musicals with Cheese, Instagram, Musicals with Cheese, YouTube page is Musicals with Cheese, Patreon-only podcast is Patreon with Cheese. Come check that out. Email us at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our keeper of the cheese is Julia Antonio. Um, Christy, why don't you give us some ASMR as a little treat for Juliet Antonio? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I got nothing. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it then. In sleepy me. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that. Our I'll theme songs were created by Rabin Nash of IOU Music UK. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform and for not kicking us off because they have no nose. But it was also <laughs> enormous. <laughs> BPN does not have a nose. I I, I know it is spell? shocking. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's pretty easy to find. Go it on YouTube. Like it's on YouTube. It's Go. literally on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is the most accessible like thing we've covered yes. on here, aside from many slime tutorials. All right, we'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Mm, bye bye. <laughs> Or, like, what was the version I heard? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.